You're listening to The Power to Change, a sermon series about five words that have the power to change our lives. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. How are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you and ask them if they know where they are. Tell them. They are at the church that makes the best chili in the world. Huh? Look. We had that chili for children cook-off yesterday, you know, and we got the people's choice. And you know, there's some people who say, well, it's not first place, but there's only three judges. The people have spoken. We are the people's champ, okay? So that makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. Hey, look, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I really am so glad that you are here. We are in a series that we have titled The Power to Change, The Power to Change. And and really, uh, the truth of the matter is each and every one of us have some things in our life that we would like to change. We've got some things that we wish were a little differently. And, uh, you know, it, like, for example, if you want your hair color to be different, what do you do? You, you know, you go get your hair did. You get it dyed, right? If you want your hair to have, your head to have more hair, what do you do? You know what I mean? You get a wig or you get hair implants or you do what I do and you cry yourself to sleep every night because it just don't happen, right? But we all have some things, again, that we want to change about our life. And in life, there are some words that when you and I hear them, when you and I really embrace them, there are some words that have the power to change our life. And so what we've been doing in this series is really looking at some of those words that have the power to change us. And the word that we're going to look at today is the word enough. Everybody say enough. enough. Yeah, that's right. That's good. I like for you guys to participate. Enough. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am a child of the 80s. Any other children of the 80s here? couple of us, yeah, some of us, yeah, yeah, and man, I think the 80s were the best, you know what I mean? The 80s gave us something, they gave us a lot of things, and some, some, one of the things that they gave us is something called the Trapper Keeper. Anybody get a Trapper Keeper when you were coming up? Man, I hated school, you know what I mean? But when I got that Trapper Keeper, I was like, I'm going to get organized, it's going to be awesome. I never did, but I got that Trapper Keeper, and I was excited about it, you know? The 80s, man, they gave us something that's called the slap bracelet. Anybody, you know what I mean? We had the originals, and they weren't covered in plastic to protect you. They were really metal. You could hurt yourself. You know what I mean? But we got the, the, the slap bracelets, the 80s, man. We can thank the 80s for songs like Michael Jackson's Thriller. I was going to play the music and dance for y'all, but I don't want to do that. Uh, but, I mean, we can thank them for that, you know. And, uh, man, in the 80s, there was also a story, though, about a famine in Ethiopia, and it was terrible. There was a, a, a musician by the name of uh, Bob Geldof, and he actually went to Ethiopia, Ethiopia, and it broke his heart. It broke his heart to see so many children who were really starving, so many children who were literally starving to death, and he said, we got to do something about this. And so in uh, Christmas of 1984, he came up with a song uh, with a bunch of other people that you guys might have heard before, but it's called Feed the, chil- feed the world. I'm sorry, feed the world. Anybody remember that song? You know, feed, feed the world. Let them know it's. What? <laughs> there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas. Y'all don't remember that song? Oh my goodness, man. I feel old. I don't know. Anyway, 
But uh, yeah, he came up with this song, you know what I mean? And he wanted to dedicate this song and the money that was raised from this song to help uh, the food relief efforts in Ethiopia. And the song raised millions of dollars, but he said it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And so he came up with this idea, something called live aid. And he said, you know what? Why don't we get all of the world's best bands together and let's have a concert and let's, let's sell tickets and let's use all the money that's, that's collected from this concert, from the ticket sales, let's use this money to really help the people who are, who are starving in Ethiopia. And so he called the band Queen up. Anybody know him? Yeah, he called Queen up and he said, look, Queen, you really need to get on board with this. U2 is already on board with this. Even though U2 really wasn't on board with it already, he just said that so that Queen would get on board with it. And so Queen said, okay, I'm on board for it. Then he called up U2 and he said, U2, you need to get on board with this because Queen's on board with this. And so U2 got on, on board with it. And so all these other bands, that's what he did until he had all these bands that were on board. And so in July of 1985, there was a concert in London. We got a picture of it right here, but there were 72,000 people who, who showed up for this concert. And while this concert was going on, they were actually having another live aid con concert in Pennsylvania. And at that concert, 100,000 people showed up. So there were 172,000 people who purchased tickets, who bought tickets to go to this concert. This concert was aired live on TV. It was, it was, it was, it was live on TV in over 150 countries. And the uh, suggested amount of viewership that watched this concert is 1.2 billion people. 1.2 billion people watched this this concert. And so Bob, what happened was, man, he heard about all these people, 1.2 billion people who were sitting at home watching this, this concert and they weren't given any money. And so when he heard about that, he went into a, a TV station in the UK and he got on live television and he said all these wild things. He used a whole bunch of profanities, a bunch of words that had never been used on live television before. And what he basically said to the home audience is, look, I hope you guys are enjoying this concert, but there are children dying in Ethiopia. We need you to give us your money because we don't have enough. And because of what Bob did, you know what happened? People started calling in and they started pledging money and pledging money and pledging money. And because of what he did, they actually raised half a billion dollars, half a billion dollars in monetary relief. That's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Well, this, there's this story in the book of Exodus that's the completely opposite of that story. I want you to see it. God wanted to build a tabernacle. He wanted to, to build a, a home here on earth so that he could dwell with his people. And so he asked his people to give an offering. And there was a point in the offering where Moses had to run out. And he didn't have to say, we don't have enough. Moses had to run out and basically stop the people from giving. He had to say, stop giving us stuff. We've got way too much stuff. We've got more than enough. And so how in the world, how in the world can we get to that point in our life. How can we get to the point to where God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, hey, you know what? You need to stop giving. How can we get to the point in our life where God says, look, I, I have enough. You have given me way too 
much. Wouldn't that be cool to hear God say that to you? I think that would be really, really cool. So let's read about this story. Exodus chapter 36, we're going to start in verse 4. Here's what the Bible says. It says, so all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary, the tabernacle, they left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing what? What does the Bible say? It says more than enough, more than enough. Uh, and so can, could you imagine, you know what I mean, if during the offering time just a little while ago, you know, the ushers, they were going by and like we couldn't let them go past the, the third row. You know what I mean? Hey, you got to stop at the third row. We've got way too much, right? Can you imagine that? Some of the people on the first and second and third row, they'd be moving to the fourth row, right? You know what I mean? They're like, oh, man, let me get out of here. But, you know, I mean, that's what's happening here. So it says, we've got more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then watch this. Then Moses gave an order. Moses had to give an order. And they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And watch this. This is amazing. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. People had to be restrained. How many of y'all have ever gone like Black Friday shopping? Anybody, you know what I mean? They do it like on Thanksgiving now, so it's really like terrible Thursday. I don't know what they do it. Uh, but anyway, so you know, you, you go shopping and what they do is they're restraining people from getting in. You know, they got bars down, you know what I mean? Waiting on you to open up and people are like, let us in. We got to get a $150 TV. We need this TV. That's what people are doing. You know, they're trying to get in, but they're being restrained from giving in. And so again, the people here in this passage, they're not being restrained from, from really getting something, they're being restrained from giving something. Again, could you imagine if during the offering time at any church, you know what I mean, they had to send security out and they were like, hey, stop, stop giving, put up your checks and put up your wallets. Can you imagine going to a church and that happening? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't happen, but that's what happened here. It says they had to be restrained in verse seven says what? Because they already had, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Enough, more than enough. That word, enough, it has power to really change you, to change me. And so today what I really want you to see is I want you to understand that you've got, that you've got enough of four different things. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The, the first thing that I want you to see this morning is this. You have enough to celebrate 100%. You have enough to celebrate 100%. Check out this verse in Exodus chapter 35, verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. It says, from what you have, right? Not from what you don't have, but from what you have. See, a lot of times when it comes to being generous and, and, and really just being kind, we think we don't have enough. And so we say, well, if I had more, then I would give something. But the Bible says, no, 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 from what you have taken offering for the Lord. Everyone who is what? Y'all got to stay with me now. Everybody said enough, right? Enough. Now everybody say willing. I want y'all to participate. This is going to be fun. So again, giving and generosity, it starts with our will. It starts with our will, not our bill. See, a lot of times people say, uh, you know, I got to pay this bill. I got to pay that bill. I got to make sure this is taken care of. But that's not where giving starts. Giving starts with our will, not with our bills. And so uh, check this out. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. See, one of the problems for each and every one of us is that we worry, we worry, we worry, we worry. Anybody a worrier out there? I know that I am. I'm worried right now. Some of y'all ain't even listening. I don't know. I mean, we're worriers. We're worriers. But, but I want you to know that if we would worry less, 
We, we, we would worry less if we praised more. We would worry less if we praised more. Instead of us coming up and imagining the most horrific scenario in our life, if we would use as much energy as we do thinking of that negative stuff, if we would use that much energy praising our Lord and our Savior, it would change our way of life. I love what Abraham Lincoln once said. Abraham Lincoln once said, he said, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns or we can rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. Do you see the difference there? There's a big difference, and we need to celebrate 100%. There is always something to celebrate. I'm serious. Look at me. Life is a cause for celebration. How many of you today are just glad you woke up? Man, you just are glad God woke you up, glad, glad that God gave you life. I, I love life. I love to smile. I love to laugh. I love living. And, and I'm going to be honest with y'all. I live an amazing life. I do. Like, honestly, I'm going to brag a little bit. When I woke up this morning, guess what? I had a roof over my head, okay? It's unbelievable. And when I got out of the bed, you know what I did? I walked over to the wall, and there's this thing on my wall. It's a switch. And I turned that switch on, and guess what happened? Lights came on. I can turn that light on and off. After I turned the light on, you know where I went? I went to the bathroom. And you know what you do in the bathroom? You go to the bathroom. It's amazing. And so, man, after I go to the bathroom, I flush the toilet. Man, it's amazing. And then some of y'all might not know anything about this, but I'm going to tell you how my life is. I got a faucet. You know, what, you know what happens at a faucet? Man, I got these knobs and these handles on that faucet. I can walk up to one, and there's cold water. I can walk up to the other one, and there's hot water. I mean, I can tell right now some of y'all are peanut butter and jealous. You know what I mean? You don't have a life that I got. But it's amazing. It is amazing. Seriously, each and every one of us, I know I know we all go through difficult things at times, but you've got so much, so much to celebrate, so much to be thankful for if you just look around. See, I hear people say all the time, I wish I knew God's will for my life. I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Anybody ever say that? Anybody ever say that? How many of y'all glad you're here at church today? Let me tell you something. I'm about to tell you what God's will is for your life, all right? So there might be somebody who's usually here who's not here today, and here's what you're going to be able to do. You're going to be able to go up to him after church today. You're going to say, dude, you should have been there. It was amazing. I found out God's will for my life. <laughs> not just me, but everybody. You should have been there. I'm going to tell you, everybody, how, how many, honestly, you want to hear God's will for your life? Let me show you right here, boys. Amazing. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Check this out. Starting in verse 16. Here's what the Bible says. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will for your life? There it is. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Man, King David, he was a man known as a, as a man after God's own heart. He was. Now, he made some mistakes. He messed up. But, but he got a good revelation of who God is. And he got a good revelation of what God had done for him. And in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14, check this out. He says, who am I? Who am I? And at this point, what hap what's happening is David 
is collecting things for the second tabernacle, the temple. He's collecting things to build the temple for God. He's given towards this construction. He says, who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? That we would just be able to. That we would just be able to give. Watch this. Everything comes from you. And everything we have, everything we have, we have given you only what comes from your hand. David understood. He understood that all we're basically doing is redistributing what God has given us. How many of you got kids? I know some of y'all got kids. You ain't raising your hand. You better claim them. <laughs> Especially if they're in children's church. Our workers are like, please come get your kids. I'm just kidding. Y'all need to serve back there, okay? Uh, but, but anyway, you know, we got kids. We do. We do. But, but, but if, you've got, if you've got kids, had kids, you know that when they're young and another kid comes around, you know, and you're like, hey, you know, I want you to share your toys. What do they usually say? No. Mine. Mine. My precious. Mine. Mine. That's what they, that's what they think, man. Kids do that. But come on, some of us adults do it as well. That's my house. That's my car. That's my money. But the truth is, nothing you have is yours. Nothing. Nothing I have is mine. I don't own a house. I run a bed and breakfast for, the God, for God's kingdom. <laughs> I don't have a car. I'm just an Uber driver for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, what, that's what we are. Nothing we have is ours. And so the next time somebody comes to you and they says, hey, can I have that? You need to make sure you ask the owner first, you know? See what God says. See what he says. See, listen to me. None of us own anything. We own nothing, but we're going to be held accountable for everything. It's true. One day we'll have to give an account. And David says, God, I'm only giving to you what you have given me. I celebrate 100%. I celebrate it all. So we got enough to celebrate 100%. And watch this next one. We got enough to tithe 10%. Got enough to tithe 10%. Oh, my goodness, pastor said a cuss word, tithe. That's what really, it makes us feel uncomfortable, right? You ever been around somebody who's just yelling profanities? You know, and you're like, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Oh, my goodness. That's how it is when a preacher talks about tithing. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. That's how a lot of Christians are, though. But the truth is, some Christians are so stingy with their, their money. They hold their dollar bills so tight they make George Washington cry. You know what I'm talking about? Right? That's how it is. It's true. It's like they don't have a real revelation of who Jesus is and, again, what he has done for them. Because here's what I have learned about Christ. I have learned that Jesus, that Christ affects my faith as an individual. He affects my family and he affects my finances. He has to become Lord of everything in my life because if he's not the Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, right? If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So what is tithing? What is it? What is tithing? Tithing is the first 10% of the whole. And, and people who tithe, man, they're, they're really smart people. I'm just going to be honest with you. See, tithers don't have more money. They just have different priorities. How many, how many of you have ever had somebody important come to your house? 
you know, if, 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 you, if you're married or something, you need to say, you know, sometimes your wife comes over and that's a good thing, right? So if, if, you, if you had somebody come over, important, and you make them a meal. Anybody ever done that? You make them a meal, something like that? Okay, well, if you have company come over for food, if you have company come over for food, do you let them go first or last? First, some of y'all are like, they going last? Because they might try to take the best piece of pizza. I saw that big piece. How many of y'all are like that when you open up that, piece, that pizza box, you see the big piece, you're like, that's mine. Just me? Pray for me. That's what we are. Man, they might give the biggest piece. But truth of the matter is, you shouldn't give a guest. You shouldn't give somebody who's important the, left, the, the, the leftovers, right? You should give them the best. You should give them the best. And so if we feel like that with, with people who are important, how much more so should we feel that way when it comes to God? We shouldn't give God our leftovers. We should give him our first fruits, the best, the best. And tithers, that's what they do. They put God first. And, and some people are always worried, well, should I tithe off of my gross or should I tithe off of my net? Listen to me. Why in the world would we try to negotiate with how little we can give God? Think about God. Just think about him. When it came to saving the world, God wasn't up in heaven going, how can we do this? Maybe, maybe we'll send Gabriel. Maybe he can do it. You know, Gabriel, you go do it. That's not what God did, right? What did God do? He sent his one and only son. He sent his best. God sent his best. He gave his best. Why don't we give him our best? John Ortberg said, in a land where God has given us so much, we just give nothing. Only 3% of Americans give at the level of tithe. Why in the world does this even matter? Why does it even matter? Because it has to do with obedience. It has to do with obedience. It has to do with putting God first in everything and over everything. See, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I believe that. And I believe in, in the great commission that God has told us to go and make disciples of all nations. I believe in the great commandment. Hey, you know what? You're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you're supposed to love your neighbor, what? As yourself. I believe in those things. And I believe that when the church truly says, you know what? We love God the most. We're serious about this commission. We're going to love other people. We're going to give. I believe that that's when we become a force that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. But it starts with our heart. That's why we have to put God first in our finances. It's not about a preacher getting rich or a church getting wealth. It's not. It's about using what God has given us to reach people who don't know Jesus Christ. See, Billy Graham once said that if a person will get their attitude about money right, that it will help straighten out almost every other area of their life. You say, Robert, the church wants my money. No, no. It's about being obedient. It's about putting God first. And I promise you, listen to me, I promise you, if you'll put God first in your finances, he'll bless you. He'll bless you. I love this verse right here in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 through 25. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Now, wait a minute. I don't know if anybody else can attest to this, but I, I do. Look, 
there was a, not too long ago, somebody I knew, they, they, they needed $5. And so that's all I had in my wallet. My wife hadn't given me my allowance for the week, you know what I'm saying? And so that's all I had. I had that $5. And so I said, all right, I'm going to give it to you. And so I was like, man, I ain't going to be able to give me no Taco Bell. I'm going to be struggling. And so, man, I gave my $5 away. That day I went home, man, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to do the laundry. And so I was, I, was, I was taking the clothes out to dry. You know what happened? I got $10. Is that Amanda in here? She might think that was hers. Did I go tell her no? I said, praise God. Right? Praise God. I'm saying give freely and become more wealthy. That's what's happening. Be stingy and lose everything. You want to lose everything? No. God says that's exactly what will happen if you're stingy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So we've got enough to celebrate 100%. We've got enough to tithe 10%. And the next thing that I want you to see this morning is this. We've got enough to share whatever percent. To share whatever percent. So God says, I'm going to give you 100% so that you can give me back 10%. And what are you going to do with the other 90%? What are you going to do with the other 90%? I saw this the other day on the internet, and I thought it was pretty, pretty awesome. Got a picture here. It's a picture of a homeless uh, individual. I don't know if you can read that sign there, but it says, which religion cares the most about the homeless? And he's got like Jewish, Buddhist, pagan, Muslim, Christian, atheist. Listen to me. It's not a competition. But how many of you feel like that Christians ought to be known as being the most generous people in the world? I do. I do. And so we need a biblical revelation that it truly is better to give than receive. You know what I mean? That God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. We understand that when we're, we're, we're never more like God than we are when we're giving. Look at these verses right here. We've already read one of them. But again, in Exodus chapter 35, verses 5 through 6, check this out. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering. Watch this. An offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen. Look at this last one. Goat hair. It goes from gold to goat hair. Now, don't raise your hand. How many of y'all got gold? Don't raise your hand. Somebody might come in. Let me give it. I mean, some of us might have gold, right? But a lot of us don't have that kind of wealth. But a lot of us got goat hair, Right? Right? I mean, that's what we feel like sometimes. We just got goat hair. And so what does God say? God says, from what you have, from whatever it is that you have, bring it willingly, and I will use it to build my temple. I will use it to build my kingdom. See, a lot of times we think, you know what? Well, my $10 isn't going to go a long way. It's not going to go as far as that person's $100, that person's $1,000, that person's $100,000. Let me tell you something. From what you have, bring it to the Lord, and God will use it to build his kingdom and use it to make sure people who are far from Christ come to know him. We just got to be willing to give. How many of y'all know what a goldfish is? Got a picture of one in case you don't know. Look at that. Oh, my. What happened there? That's not a goldfish. They tried to trick y'all. That's a goldfish. How many of y'all, many of y'all ever had a goldfish? Man, don't they live pretty boring lives? Just in a fishbowl, going in circles. What do you do? 
Every day you come by and you feed it, right? You know what would happen if you fed that fish all day, every day? It would get bloated. And what? It would die. It would die. See, a goldfish doesn't know when enough is enough. A goldfish doesn't know when enough is enough. And sometimes we're just like that. And see, the devil sometimes comes to us. And he doesn't care if you're out there doing something bad. Some, well, I mean, you know, he wants you to do bad. But he's not trying to get you to sell drugs, to rob banks, and stuff like that. See, I think sometimes the, the, the devil is just content with just feeding us. Feeding us more. Getting more. Getting more. See, he wants us to get to the point to where we're, we're bloated so that we die spiritually. And come on, how many of y'all ever feel like you're a goldfish just living your life, swimming around in a circle? How many of y'all ever feel like you're just living your life consuming like that goldfish? <laughs> you ever feel like that? I know that I do from time to time. I know that I do. But I don't know if you've ever been to this website here, theglobalrichlist.com. Anybody ever heard of that? You should go to this, not during church, because I want you to pay attention, right? Uh, but you should, you should go to this. This is a global rich list. And what you can do is you can go to this website, and you can uh, find out kind of where you stand as far as the world's wealthiest people are concerned. So you go there, you say uh, how much money you make. And so I went there, kind of plugged in some numbers. Let's go back to that first uh, slide first. So I went there, and I went to the first slide, and uh, I kind of, can y'all see that? Probably not. I just typed in 30000 U.S. dollars, okay, for like an average salary. Now, there are some people who uh, make way more than that. There are some people who don't make as much as that, but just an average salary, 30000 30, U.S. dollars. And so if you make 30000 U.S. dollars, here's where you rank among the world's wealthiest people. Check this out. It'll give you a whole, it'll give you a whole, uh, a whole report that you get to see. And so you know what, what you are? If you make $30,000 a year, you are in the top 1.23% of richest people in the world. You know who that means you're sitting beside? Bill Gates. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? If you make $30,000 a year, watch this, next slide, that, that it would take an average laborer in Zimbabwe 29 years to make that much money. $30,000. $30,000. Why? And the world, again, is this important. Because there's something that each and every one of us have to remember. And again, it's that one day we're going to have to give an account for everything that God has given us. And God is the God who sees every person on this earth. God is the God who sees the 7 billion people who exist, who are alive today. And so God sees me, yes, and he sees you, yes, and he sees us saying, we just don't have enough. We just don't have enough. But he also sees that person who literally and genuinely doesn't have enough, and he hears us, and he goes, what? What? God is saying, give me the 10% that belongs to me, and then be really generous with the other 90%. Mark Twain once said that kindness is the language that the blind can see and the deaf can hear. Now, look, we're not about to take a second offer. Calm down. We're not. <laughs> not going to do that. 
This really is about trying to liberate your life, trying to change your life, the power to change and saying, you know what, I want to take what God has given me and I want to bless the world. Folks, we are blessed to bless others. We want to bless others and bless and bless and bless. Doesn't the world need to see people who genuinely care? Don't they? So we've got enough to celebrate 100%. We've got enough to tithe 10%. We've got enough to share whatever percent. The last thing I want you to see this morning is this. You've got enough to leave 100%. You've got enough to leave 100%. How many of you know you can't take anything with you? You can't. You can't. You've got to leave it all. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7 says this. Paul, he's talking to a younger guy. He's talking to Timothy, and he says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. Being able to celebrate the 100%, being able to give God the 10%, being able to share the 90%, being content with what you have. That is the greatest thing that you can have. He says, for we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. Again, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter what you have acquired in this world. It doesn't matter what you have achieved or earned. You can't take anything with you. You can't. See, next month I'll be turning 37. Oh, everybody say, oh, it's tough, man. My hair is falling out. Y'all come love me when I'm bald, please. Anyway, but I, I've, been, I've been thinking about life, you know. Honestly, it's been popped into my mind that I might need to do a will. That's weird. It's hard to think about. See, what am I, what am I, what do I want to see happen with what I have when I'm gone? Say I got three kids and do I just want to split what little I have three ways for the kids? You know, I mean I got I got a, I got some things, specific things I want to leave each child. I got a rock collection I want to give to Brianna Grace. I got some things I want to give to Sadie Kate, some things, of course, I want Lawson to have. But I've got a life insurance policy that I hope Amanda never kills me to take. There's a little bit of money there so that if something happens to me, she'd be able to get stable, you know? But here's the thing. It's, it's okay to want to look after your family. It's okay to want to look after your kids. But I know some people who have left so much to their kids. They've left so much to their kids that it literally killed their kids. See, I look at some individuals who have worked so hard for what they have, who were good stewards of what they have, who trusted God with what they have, and then when they died, they just dumped it on their children, and it ruined them. You know why? Because they didn't teach their children to walk the life of faith to trust God in the small stuff because they were faithful in giving and they just dump it all on their kids. See, we need to be wise with all of that. Again, we we really ought to want something to outlive us. Yes, we want our kids to, to be secure, but again, some people are trying to set their kids up to be so secure that they're actually trying to be God for their kids and that's not good so your kids really ought to see you put God first in your will you say well, they're going to get mad at me who cares you're dead if they don't like it you can talk about it when they get to heaven right I'm sorry man but you, 
but they need to see you put God first. Again, this whole thing, it's not about money. It's about legacy. It's about generosity. It's, again, about putting God first. It's about factoring God in to what we're going to leave. Again, what kind of legacy are you going to leave when you leave this earth? Alfred Nobel is best known for the Nobel Peace Prize. But he's also known for the person who invented dynamite. See, Alfred Nobel was a chemist and a weapons manufacturer. And in 1888, his brother died. And there was a French newspaper that heard the story and they got confused and they thought that it was, that it was Alfred who died. And so they wrote an obituary about Alfred and they published it in the newspaper. And what they said was, the merchant of death is dead. The man who became rich by inventing more ways to kill people faster than ever before died yesterday. And so when Alfred woke up and he read the newspaper and he saw that, he was devastated by how he was going to be remembered. And so he spent the rest of his life trying to rectify that. And actually in his last will and testament, he set aside the bulk of his estate to establish the Nobel Peace Prize. He gave the equivalent of $250 million to fund those prizes. See, Alfred Nobel, he had the rare opportunity to evaluate his life towards the end of his life and then live long enough to actually change it. Folks, we have the same opportunity. There are two ways that you and I can live. You can live your life with a clenched hand, with a clenched fist. This is mine. This is mine. You can, you can live your life with a clenched hand or you can live your life with an open hand. With an open hand. Because the truth is inside each and every one of us, there is a giver and a taker. There's a giver and a taker. And you and I have to decide which one we're going to allow to increase. But you've got to know that you are called, I am called to live like Christ. We are called to live like Jesus, to, to have the same values as he did. And what I want you to know is that Jesus didn't live his life with a clenched fist. He did not. He very literally lived his life with open hands and he didn't give 10%. He didn't give 90%. He gave everything. He hung on a cross stripped naked. He literally gave it all. He said, you know what? There's so many people and you can't look at what Jesus did and say, I don't have enough to celebrate. You can't look at what Jesus did and say, I don't have enough to tithe 10%. You can't look at what Jesus did and say, I don't have enough to share and I don't have enough to leave. You, you can't look at what Jesus did and say that. So today, today you, 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 you can either live your life with that clenched fist or an open hand. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
Here's what I want you to do today as we close. Right where you're at, I want you to help me out. Don't look at me. Just do something. I want you to take your fist, your hands, and I want you to clench them real tight. Real tight. How many of you know when you do that, can you just feel your body getting tense? Holding your fists like that just makes your body tense. And living your life with a clenched fist, with a closed heart, it's just tense. And now open your hands. Doesn't that feel better? Feels better. And here's what I know. I know today that there are some people in this room Again, the message isn't even about money. It's about your life. You are trying to hold on so tight to control. You're trying to hold on so tight to your life. But today is the day that you need to open your hand wide open. And you need to give Jesus your life. So if you know today that you need to be saved, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you pray this prayer. Father, today. I open my hand to you. Father, I surrender to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I confess you as Lord and Savior. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Mold me into a new creation. Help me be Again, every head bowed. But if you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you prayed that prayer to be saved, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand because I just want to know. I want to know that God's working in your heart. Amen. I want to know that God's working in your life. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for saving people. Father, I pray also that you would help each and every one of us to think about the way that we live our life. Father, we don't want to live our lives with clenched fists. We want to live our lives with open hands, understanding that everything we have is from you, and so we want to give it back to you. Thank you, Father, for today. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.